Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hi, Em. We had a full week this week, let me tell you. I'm exhausted. And I also (laughs) had... A very like important moment in my housewives journey that I'd love to tell you and I've been saving until we started recording. Oh, please tell me. So if you're new or if you haven't heard me talk about this in a while, I've been rewatching every Housewives franchise from the beginning and I'm currently on season nine of Atlanta. And I was just sitting there and I kind of had a moment and I realized I think Phaedra Parks is my favorite housewife of all time. Was there a specific moment that you had this realization or it was a culmination of watching her all these seasons? I just realized as it was transitioning into one of her scenes that I was so excited for it to happen. Like I felt myself get giddy. And then I kind of paused and reflected on every quality that she has that makes her just such a star and how she's funny and witty and shady and also can be trustworthy and also can be completely delusional at the same time. And her life is interesting, but she has glamour. Her kids are adorable. Like I just couldn't say enough good things about her as a housewife. And I think I've really struggled with the difference that we talk about literally every single week. Everyone's probably sick of it. The difference between a housewife you want to be friends with and a housewife that's a really good housewife. And I just feel like if you're making a Venn diagram, she falls perfectly in the middle. I also have to admit, I think I was swayed Andy was asked at Watch What Happens Live a couple weeks ago, a housewife he would wish he could bring back, and he said Phaedra, and that really stuck with me, and I get it. I I just had to get that off my chest. I'm so glad you said that. I think that is a really important realization because that's a concept we talk about constantly. Like, What is your top five Desert Island housewives picks? And I think Phaedra, honestly, is an excellent choice. I mean, back in the day, in the early seasons of Beverly Hills, and of course my stance has changed, 
the feeling you were describing about being so excited when Phaedra was about to come on the screen was how I felt about an early Lisa Vanderpump. Yeah. When we used to go into her home when she was across the street from Adrian Maloof, to me, that was bliss. That was housewives. You know, she represented housewives to me. It's changed, of course, as the years have gone on, but I so understand the feeling you're talking about. Yeah. And now also remembering that Phaedra will be at Bluestone Manor for the second Ultimate Girls Trip installation. I'm just, I'm really so excited. And I just had to share that all with you. And I, I don't know. I fucking love Phaedra Parks. One other thing I wanted to say about the Bluestone Manor thing is, did you see what Tamara said on Watch What Happens? about how Yeah. She feels like her and Brandy bonded. I do get though how they would have beef. I love Cross City Housewives beef. Nothing has given me greater joy than when we were at BravoCon and they did that Watch What Happens Live segment where it was settle the beef and they would bring two housewives who are not in the same franchise who had beef and they had to hash it out. And to me, it doesn't get better than that because these women have the strongest personalities. And at the end of the day, they all operate very similarly and they know how to play the game. And there's at so many functions and social media gets involved and they comment on each other's shows that, of course, there's going to be drama. And I live for it. You just saying that really brought me back to BravoCon because I don't think that you and I, forget about on the podcast, I'm just saying in our own lives, talk enough about the euphoria we experienced when it was the final night of BravoCon, the live watch what happens. We are looking directly at Croy Bierman, him beaming (laughs) while Kim is up there. I mean, Kim starts doing her performance. The whole thing, I literally felt like you and I were going to pass out. That was porn. That was straight up porn if you are a Bravo addict. And I'm just so, feel so grateful that you and I had that moment together. When people describe what it will feel like when you arrive at like the gates of heaven, if you believe in that, that's (laughs) what I felt like walking into that ballroom and seeing the cast of every single show arrive one by one and then hash out their beef and then also take shots and it just, that is, no, like that is it. Andy's saying, squash the beef. Imagine, you guys, imagine Isabel. Isabel we're, like, we're, we're fisting our hands <laughs> in the air like we are at a literal, like, fight, you know? Like, we're like, squash the beef. Julie's like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? No, she had no idea what was going on, but she was just having the best time watching us. Like I was one second away from standing up on my chair, even watching the episode back on TV. Like you just get it. Wow. I fucking love housewives when they fight. (laughs) I love it all. Okay. Let's get into it. I can't just start by saying I love housewives when they fight. Like, of course I love housewives when they fight. That's literally our job. That's why we're here. I'm so happy to be here. I'm in such a good mood. Are you? I obviously you are. I can tell. Same. I mean, can we get into Miami? Because I posted on our story today that Miami is the most fun hour of my week consistently every week. And everyone agreed with me. Of course. So the order that we decided previously was Miami, Jersey, Summer House, OC, Salt Lake. Is that still working for you? (laughs) Yeah. I love every week when you ask me if it's still working, like we have to change the contract. Like, yeah, it's good. Perfect. (laughs) I just want to make sure that you're, you know, what we decided before still fits your current vibe. Any week that Miami is up first, I'm happy. I know. So great week in Miami. I wouldn't say the most drama packed, but there was just so much visual stimulation. Wouldn't you say? I was going to say the colors, like whoever's 
editing this show is taking that saturation up to level 100. They do that to this whole show and it does something in my brain. Completely. And also the fact that they're at the Versace mansion, which already is so colorful and so extravagant and so out there, you were really getting quite the experience. And I have to say, out of every episode this week, Miami was the one where I felt like I was there the most. I could just feel like... (laughs) the happy hormones in my brain when they're all dressed in full Versace. In the Versace mansion in Miami, there's penis balloons everywhere. They're all getting along for the moment, just like glamour, rich, friendship. They're about to fight. I know that Adriana is about to yell at Larsa about Kim Kardashian. Like to me, I know we were saying that Watch What Happens Live was euphoria, but like To be sitting here watching that, I actually think I had the biggest smile on my face because it just is like delicious. I can't even describe it another way, but delicious. I so understand what you mean. I mean, Lisa Hochstein getting yelled at by Marisol for jumping too hard on the (laughs) penis pinata that she crushed the balls. Like, are you kidding me? You're going to tell me that's not television gold? No, it's just, it's pure happiness. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the first kind of conflict, which is just the ongoing situation between Nicole and Marisol. And I kind of hate this because I really like them both for very different reasons. And on one hand, I feel a sense of loyalty to Marisol because she's such an OG and I find her to be very iconic. At the same time, though, I think Nicole is very intelligent. I think she's an incredible infusion into the show. And I can't lie and say that I don't get where she's coming from. I agree. And I just think... Marisol is very caught off guard and like she thought that Nicole would be chasing her, wanting her to get along, wanting to be accepted by her. And now that Nicole has really said, I don't really care about being friends with Marisol. Why would I want a friend like that? I don't even need to like extend another olive branch, especially the way that our last conversation went down when I was really open and wanted to talk it out with her and Marisol just walked away why would she why would she want to try again? And I think that really has caught Marisol off guard. But on the other hand, I do think Nicole is very meticulous and calculated in doing that to make sure the message is very clear that I don't need you. And she knows that that is the opposite of what Marisol is expecting from her. Like we've said, this OG queen bee sort of mentality that has been given to the group and is a very apparent in all of these situations. It's a little bit similar, different, obviously, but slightly reminiscent to when they were saying about Karen Huger that, you know, she wants people to kiss the ring type of thing. A little bit of that energy, although what Nicole was doing was basically completely removing the power from Marisol. And I agree with you that on one hand, it was very, you know, meticulous and intentional. At the same time, I don't think she was bullshitting. I don't think she wants to be around people that make her feel like she's constantly on the defense. Right, because I think she feels like she is her own woman. She doesn't need Marisol's approval to feel cool or powerful or important. And to me, that is what makes a housewife good for like the long game. Because of course, would it be easier in the moment for her to kiss the ring and make up with Marisol, become friends with her and then stay on Marisol's good side? Yeah. But someone like Nicole will end up in where Marisol is now. And that is only possible when you have such a strong backbone and stick to your guns the way that she is. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting concept in general, which I don't know if this is completely relevant to Miami because I I still consider Miami kind of in its infancy, you know, we're only on what season four, season five. But I think that sometimes what happens with these housewives is 
it's not that they even dislike the newbie. It's that they're genuinely very intimidated because they think, okay, any day now they're taking my spot. It's a little bit more relevant with someone like a Vicky Gunvalson, which who's been around for so many seasons and she knew her kind of clock was ticking. I think Marisol still has many seasons left in her if she decides to, and they decide to keep going with it. But you know, you, you have to wonder how much of this conflict is real and how much of it is intimidation for potentially taking their spot. I don't think it's that relevant here, but it's just an interesting concept to analyze. Yeah. It's like the fear, but all also the you're in my turf and you have to pay the dues that I paid or that I feel like you should pay now that you're here. It's just, it's so interesting. And I feel like we see this dynamic a lot more this season because there's so many housewives and it's pretty split new versus old. Mm-hmm. And then also when you think about it, Marisol's not even a housewife right now. She's technically a friend of. Which feels crazy, doesn't it? It's insane. Like I personally would think that she's holding like the center cocktail, flamingo, whatever the fuck they hold. Like this is her show and she very much gives off that energy, but it's actually not. So yeah, the whole dynamic is interesting, but I was glad that they were sort of going toe to toe and that Nicole wasn't just giving in because she shouldn't have. Why should she? No, she shouldn't. Also, not that this is anything really to discuss, nothing crazy happened, but just the conversation between Adriana and Julia it really strengthens my belief that I've been having and has been growing this entire season that I don't mean this at all negatively, but it's a very codependent relationship, you know? Yes. It's codependent, but it also feels so real. You're right. It doesn't feel like they're just friends for the show or on the show. It feels like they have a much deeper connection. And also sort of the energy that we felt from Julia this whole time, Adriana showing how much it changed her life and her perspective, I thought, was like a really powerful moment. It's a lot. I'll give it. I'll give it to everybody. I know a lot of people say like it's a lot of the like loving friendship, but it's just the way that they express themselves. And I feel like Adriana really needs her in this time. Like she was saying, she hasn't lived by herself in twenty years, so she's leaning extra hard on the people around her that she loves. And we're catching her in that moment right now. No, I mean, you know how I feel about that in terms of it being, quote, too much. Like, I understand how someone could view it that way, but I just so disagree with that in general. Like, as a principle, you have one life to live. And if you feel that strongly about another human being, even platonically, like, to tell them, I think, is such a blessing. You know, I, I, I don't know. I love that intense expression of love and appreciation for another person. So I never think it's too much. And also, the real thing is that Julia doesn't think it's too much because she's very much that way as well. Right. Like what a good feeling to not only say it, but also feel it reciprocated back to you. Just like a great friendship. And I feel like it's really fun for the two of them to go through this journey together because Adriana was a housewife already. Julia's new to it, but they have each other in this crazy group. It's just like, it's great. It's kind of unrelated because I know that this wasn't what the conversation was about between Julia and Larsa, but just in general, I don't think Larsa's personality type is one that Julia could ever really form a deep bond with because- I don't know how to say she's not as mushy. I don't know if that's necessarily the right word. Yeah, she's not like warm and cuddly. Right. And I think that Julia really gravitates towards people where that's just their energy. And that's just not Larsa, which is okay. Yeah, they just really could not be more different. And I get how they aren't connecting because I think Julia is probably also really used to people, like we keep saying, just melting around her because that's just the way she is. It feels impossible I guess to us not to feel that energy of like, you just want to like love her and open up to her. And I just want like her to hug me. Like you literally have said before, like I just want her to like brush my hair and tell me it's all going to be okay. And (laughs) Larsa doesn't 
feel that, care about that, need that. And that's okay too. But I think Julia just feels like, why doesn't Larsa like me? Why can't I connect with her? I so easily connect to so many people and Larsa is just completely blocked off. And Julia is so open that it's like, it's very yin and yang, but like not in the way where they're going to fit together. Well, it is kind of interesting because on one hand, there are some things that Larsa factually said that were offensive. Like that wedlock comment was just objectively fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I do believe, Julie, that that really set her off. But also some of it, like you said, it's not just about Larsa. Some of it is really a Julia thing because she's uncomfortable with the lack of warm reception that she's so typically used to. Like, I, I feel almost like Larsa is triggering something in her that she never normally experiences. It's like, wait a second, you're not falling under my spell. <laughs> yes. But I just, I just think in general, Julia felt like, hmm, maybe Larsa is not really my person, but maybe I could crack her. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Or also we haven't had physical time together to let it happen. She can list the couple of times they've hung out, which I'm pretty sure have all been during filming. They're not hanging out outside of things for housewives. And one time Julia was so sick, it was Larsa's event. And other times there's been a lot of people around. But then when Larsa made that comment, I think Julia felt like this is her true color. She's willing to make a comment like that. I don't need to try anymore. But it was then interesting that she's making that comment because I feel like by bringing it up, it makes it seem like I am interested and now I'm putting that out there. Whereas I would feel like after making that comment, she would have no interest. But I do think she just in general wanted Larsa to know like that comment also hurt me because I don't think Larsa realized it at all. One, I don't think that Larsa realized it. And I do think Julia wanted to let her know that. But I actually kind of disagree because I never would have viewed Julia as almost like writing her off in the way that Nicole was comfortable doing that with Marisol because it has nothing to do with Larsa. I think that Julia thrives off of people feeling that way about her. And I think that she's not going to go down without a fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think she's going to continue until she gets something from Larsa. And, and by the way, none of that is said judgmentally because I so get it and I very much understand why she's like that because by the way that's how everyone has ever interacted with her her whole life right like maybe her immediate is never to write someone off like that's a foreign concept to her whereas the opposite could be said for Larsa because they're so different is I think Larsa is easy to write someone off after one interaction and never look back I disagree with Larsa even though I really loved her this episode because I loved that she was letting us in on that gorgeous real estate, but (laughs) that's why. (laughs) Yeah. But I really disagreed with her when she said that she feels Julia is a follower of Adriana because, you know, Julia's only expressing these issues after Adriana had her issue with Larsa. To me, the two are completely separate. I, yes. I mean, I actually think it was a good point to bring up because I didn't even think about it because I felt it was very motivated by the wedlock comment, which had nothing to do with Adriana. But, like, it is very possible. I mean, in the way that we felt Marisol wanted to make mean comments about Nicole, but when Nicole started poking at Alexia, it kind of gave her the ammunition to speak up and do it. It felt sort of mirrored, like, okay, Larsa made that comment, but also has been fucking with Adriana. Like, now I have double. Let me let me say my piece. Like, who knows if maybe just the wedlock comment had happened or just the Adriana thing had happened she would feel it was necessary to make a comment. I don't know who could say, but I didn't even really think of it until she said it. I don't think it was the case, but it just, you know, we love to look at it from all angles. 
Of course, and that whole interaction obviously sparked the Adriana Larsa situation where she said directly, that's the problem about Larsa. Anytime someone says something she doesn't want to hear, she hits below the belt. She talks about how she's known Larsa for 10 years, and even then she had an attitude. And then Larsa says, that's you though. I don't put that out there. And Adriana says, and I quote, you were here for a minute, moved to LA to become Kim Kardashian's minion, and all that rubbed off on you. And then goes into her point about how she'll never be Kim, which if we learned anything from last week, we know nothing sets off Larsa more than that type of comment. Something Larsa has continued to say a couple of times now is every time Adriana or like really anyone, but specifically Adriana makes that comment about her coming across as holier than thou and better than everyone. She keeps being like, well, that's a you problem. And I get her thought process of like, I'm not doing that. You just are feeling that way like maybe you have some insecurity but the way that she keeps saying it is so fucking condescending and being like well that's not my problem like it almost strengthens Adriana's point of like yeah here you go again you're not only belittling me as a person and make me feel small you're also pushing aside my feelings that aren't even open to having a conversation about it it's just that one little thing she keeps doing it and it bothers me so much well because it's just like that's a prime example of putting these people in real life situations. And like, imagine having a friend or even an acquaintance where you came to them and said, I find that you have been very condescending to me. And their reaction is like, well, that's a you problem. You'd be like, okay, this is not somebody I need to have any association with. Because even if you think they are entirely wrong, to me, it's just so the human thing to do to like hear that person out, make them feel heard. Even if you eventually disagree, you don't have to lay down if you don't think that that's the case, but just like have a conversation about it. And Although, as I say that, because I do disagree with Larsa, there is a part of me that understands why she would be so triggered by Adriana because some of what Adriana does isn't genuine. It's entirely to get a reaction and to get a rise out of Larsa. So I, I get both sides. It's the same energy as when someone like brings something to you and you say, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Exactly, exactly. And I fucking hate that. Yeah. Wait, the one last thing that I want to talk about is when Alexia's talking about her wedding being in a week and her mom being ill, which obviously we know what happens in real time where that wedding didn't take place. Her mom unfortunately passed away from COVID and she ended up getting married later in St. Bart's. But you know, we know that these confessionals are filmed after the fact. And just to see the pain in her eyes and her struggle to even get through reliving that experience was so hard for me to watch. Yeah. I, you could tell as she's talking about it, like, of course she would be upset regardless, but you could tell that she's talking about it now in hindsight. And probably looking back at this bachelorette party, feeling a lot of anxiety that she was feeling in that current moment and knowing that, okay, I'm here, but my mom is going to pass away a week later. I'm sure there was so much going on in her mind. And I do give her a lot of credit for showing up, having fun, being with her friends, really looking like at the positive of like, my mom's here now and she wants me to get married. She would want me to have fun. The confessional thing, that's almost like a fourth wall moment. It's very sad. And also you're seeing that situation juxtaposed with Peter saying that he doesn't need a therapist because he has her mother and that she's been the best psychiatrist he could ever have. And I'm not, it's really hard. You know, like it's really fucking hard for me. That was incredibly hard to watch, like on a personal note, I have to say, because that's how I felt about my mom, you know? And it's like, 
and like all just this this concept and clearly with Alexia it was so much more prominent but it's like how can somebody be here one day and then they're just gone the next and I know that that's the entire idea of life you know we're here on this planet and then we die but kind of just the shock of it all which wasn't my case it was so much more hers is so scary and I I just it was really hard for me to watch that I felt I just feel for her so deeply I can't even tell you yeah to hear her son say that I imagine now even looking back on that is just, it's like heartbreaking, but also so special that they had that. Totally. Anyway, fucking love Miami. And are you prepared to go to Jersey? I'm prepared. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I find that when it comes to Jersey, I trust Frank's read on Dolores more than anyone because he obviously knows her the best and he has such an intimate understanding of like every one of her emotions. So I saw her getting so worked up and to me, I was like, okay, this is legit. She's pissed. But then to hear Frank say, I saw that look in her eyes, I almost felt validated by my perception of the situation. I feel like Frank is the little angel slash devil on Dolores' shoulder that is like the Greek chorus of what she's going to do. Like he can read her mind. He can look at her, know exactly what she's going to think or say or do. And 
it's really nice to have him there as almost like a co-narrator just to like give us the inside scoop on Dolores because as open as she is, she also doesn't necessarily express her feelings like that. And Frank kind of does it for her. Completely. But this fight is so interesting when you really break it down because the line that she says to Jennifer is, if you think I'm not being a good friend, you tell me, not her, which goes to show you she wasn't necessarily upset that Jennifer thought she wasn't being a good friend. She can actually accept that and she's willing to work on it. For her, it was in her mind, a lack of loyalty. Like you have a problem and you're going to tell fucking Jackie. That's what she couldn't get behind. And it's so interesting to see how her mind works. Because if you take that exact same scenario with another housewife, they wouldn't have given a shit necessarily that Jennifer said it to Jackie. They would have been so much more offended that Jennifer felt they weren't being a good friend. Like it's so interesting to see how people's minds work. Right. Like she could have easily just been so pissed at Jennifer for saying that. But I did like the moment where she says, you felt like I weren't being a good friend. Jen says, I feel like I could have used a little more. And Dora says, okay, done. Like I'll do it. You know, she appreciated that honesty. What this whole fight really boils down to at the end of the day is Dolores's deep dislike for Jackie. I don't think she hates her. I don't think she necessarily has like a specific fight to pick with her in general, like little things. I just think she doesn't like Jackie. She doesn't vibe with her. She doesn't think she's her kind of girl. And in all honesty, I think she thinks Jackie's weak. She does think Jackie's weak. And that's why it was interesting because there was almost a part of me that felt like when Jackie was fighting back that Dolores would almost respect that in a way. Right. Right. Like, yeah, okay. like, I can, I can get on your level. Right. Kind of thing. Also the conversation between Margaret and Jennifer is still so hard for me to wrap my mind around because I typically consider Margaret to be such an intelligent level-headed person. And I cannot for the life of me understand how she does not see the absurdity in what she's saying. Like I understand that it was in Jennifer's confessional when she really outlined why she was so triggered by the way that Margaret would talk about her past, because obviously Jennifer was on the receiving end. Like they were both in a very similar situation, but just on the opposite ends of it. So of course it was triggering for her. But for Margaret to look Jennifer in the eye and say, I wasn't trying to hurt you is so insane to me for somebody who is such a straight shooter. What else were you trying to do? Like, yeah, were you, I understand you were maybe in your mind trying to expose a level of hypocrisy. And on some level, I can get behind that argument. But this was a secret that has been hidden for 10 years and for the sake of her children. And also, which we'll get into later on, for what she knows that would bring out in her family, even if it brings out a lot of severe misogyny and a very antiquated way of thinking that none of us could get on board with. It's still her reality. So it's like, right. Margaret, I, I fucking adore you. But how can you look her in the eye and say that? No, I agree. And I also just really give Jen so many props because here she is being so vulnerable, literally talking about her husband's affair. And on top of that, she's willing to look in the mirror and reflect on camera about why her actions were so wrong and why she acted in that way because she viewed Margaret in the way that she views the woman that Bill had an affair with and putting herself in the shoes of, what if the woman who slept with Bill was going around talking about it, writing a book about it, like spilling the tea at dinner with all of her friends about it in almost like a prideful way? I don't agree that Margaret was necessarily like prideful about it, but she was talking about it very lightheartedly. And I think every time that happened, Jennifer kept thinking that could be my family. So 
for her to then also explain that on top of all this, like she's really putting it all out there. And I have to say the way their conversation went down between Marge and Jen when they were at the bar, they bounced back so much faster than I ever would have expected. I don't, I don't think this is the end, but I did think that this would be dragging on for the entire season, the two of them going back and forth. And Marge did eventually let her guard down and said, I wanted to put this to bed, but it's so much easier for her to say, I want to put this to bed than Jen. And Jen really was accepting it because I do think her goal is like, let's just stop fucking talking about this. Like, I think she was willing to not quote win the battle or for Marge to look like the the bad guy and just to like put it away. So they stop putting so much emphasis on it because at the end of the day, like I said, her wish is just like that this is not a topic of conversation on TV anymore. Of course. And so much of that was also for Bill's sake. She feels very protective over him. I mean, listen, you and I clearly watching that, I'm sure had a very similar reaction when Jennifer was explaining kind of the root of all of it. It was incredibly sexist in nature. You know, the tone of the conversation, the fact that she would be blamed for any of it, that she would be looked at like she did something wrong. I mean, the fact that that situation can be so turned on its head is very concerning in today's day and age, but that's a separate conversation. And I understand that that's something that really has nothing to do with her. You know, she's dealing with a very antiquated way of thinking. And I, I, I'm not going to even touch that. It's a very weird thing to say. It's like a weird concept, but there was almost a part of me that felt that the one of, if not the reason the conversation shifted so quickly was of course, mainly because of Jennifer's willingness, but it was also because once Jennifer started to explain the root of it, I think it's going to sound off, but I'm going to try to explain it. Like Margaret's feminism almost jumped out of like, wait a second. I'm sorry that I screwed you, but let's get this shit real straight. You did nothing wrong here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I that's the that's the thing. Marge has that side of her. Like that's why it's so almost weird and off-brand and we are having so much trouble wrapping our heads around it that she did this in the first place because this is the Margaret I would expect to jump out. Exactly what I mean. And I don't know if that's I think that that's probably an unpopular opinion. I feel like you and I like her historically more than a lot of people, which is fine. I Listen, everybody's entitled to their own opinions. But yeah, it's like that side of her comes out. And I'm like, that's the you that I love. I don't love the you that's looking at Jennifer and saying you didn't want to hurt her. Of course you did. What else was the motivation there? Yeah, I feel like we're just really disappointed in Margaret that she let the idea of wanting to have drama and also her just like overall dislike for Jennifer get in the way of who she is as like a person and a friend and a woman. And that really sucks. And I hate that. And I hate when housewives do that to a person or you feel like they are doing things to stay relevant or they really just don't like someone because of past actions and they almost like go too far for their own good. And it sucks. Is it entertaining for us? Of course. I'm so upset for Jennifer, but I also can't lie and say I'm not entertained by the fact that we now learned this piece of information. Nobody could say that they wish we didn't know. Like we're fucking nosy. We watch the show. We want to know more and more and more, but it is like just sad for Margaret. And I'm curious to see as the season goes on, but also at the reunion when they reflect back at it, if she feels regretful that she went there and also feels like it wasn't on brand and in her personality to do that. I will be curious. I I would hope that she could at least acknowledge why other people would view it that way, even if she doesn't agree, because it is slightly 
concerning. And, you know, the thing is, there is a part of me that understands how she got there. Like she took a beating from Jennifer, you know, in that reunion. Jennifer basically slut shamed her for an entire season. I get that she was pissed. I just don't think this was the ammunition she thought it was because they were on opposite ends of the spectrum. Well, there's also, we have to separate like the things that Jennifer was saying about Margaret or honing in on from the cheating and like the sleeping with someone else's husband thing and like what her mom went through and all that stuff. And also the sexual assault aspect. Like there's a a bunch of stories that came out in Margaret's book and Jennifer was sort of like going in on all of them in all different ways and lumping them together. And her comments about the sexual abuse and assault from her boss, like were still never okay. And I think that really poked Margaret in such a wrong way where she felt like, Jennifer is so antiquated. She doesn't understand. It's so not a like feminist view. But then she went and did this. So it's just like, it gets really messy. It wasn't just Jen talking about the being the other woman. Like there was a lot of things there. So I'm not justifying what Margaret did, but we also have to realize like it is a really nuanced situation here. And by the way, I think there was probably more than that. I think stuff went down on social media. I think comments were made about the book and about the things that Margaret revealed and just overall the way she lives her life. So it wasn't like a tit for tat sort of thing. It's like really was a year's worth that was bubbling up. Completely. No, that shit was baked in and you're completely right. It's a very important distinction to be made. Yeah. I want to briefly talk about the Catania family sit down for no reason other than it just made me so happy. Oh, you mean the best five minutes ever? Ever. You and I were giddy. We were texting. We were live texting each other about it. Just like so happy. (laughs) Well, we were doing it in our chat with Julie. And I think she was like, what are you guys talking about? Like, I feel so left out. Like some people maybe like I can't relate, but probably people think like it was too far. But to me, it was just perfect. I just think it signals a lot of comfort in the family. And you know what? They they could be considered dysfunctional just based on the situation. But the one thing that that family has is a lot of love for one another. Oh, my God. I loved loved every single moment of that whole dinner. And I think it was just perfect. And I also think that is the perfect demonstration of the feeling you get with your parents when you really have turned the corner from being the kid to to being more like the adult slash their friend. And that your parents recognize that too. I mean, Dolores and Frank are like very traditional in a lot of ways, but they're also so cool and they love their kids and they get along so great. And I just like, I don't know. I think it was really fun to watch because the kids are like the same age as us and it felt very reminiscent of how we are with our families. Well, I was going to say, I think that you and I have like such that openness with with our parents that, Yeah. yeah, completely. Also, I have to say, yes, was Jackie's language a little bit vulgar? Absolutely. But also, like, did she lie? <laughs> <laughs> Nicki Minaj, did I lie? Right. Like, that is exactly what happened. I get it. I understand. It was definitely not the best choice of words. And I understand if I'm Jennifer, why I'm not going to vibe with that. But, like, let's not act like she said something that was untrue or like some terrible thing. That is what happened. Was it a little vulgar? Yeah. I mean, when you really boil it down, like saying that about someone's husband, just after revealing that, probably not like the best choice of words. But in that moment, I don't think Jackie was really feeling like she was ready to be Jennifer's best friend. It took a moment for her to say, oh, this is similar to what I went through last year. I'm going to reach out. I feel a lot of sympathy and empathy for her. Like it was just a slip, slip moment. Like it was such an off the cuff comment that 
she wasn't meant to hear. You know, she was saying it like sort of under her breath and yeah, it's filmed and she has a mic on, blah, blah, blah. But that again comes back to my earlier point that Dolores just fucking hates Jackie and wants Jen to see through the quote bullshit, even though I don't think it's bullshit. I really think Jackie had good intentions and was willing to put their past behind them to just be a shoulder for her to lean on in this moment of something that she could sort of relate to. And Dolores doesn't like that. And Dolores thinks that Jackie's full of it. And I think that this was sort of like something that she could pull out and say like, Hey, look at this receipt I have of how Jackie isn't being a good friend and prove you wrong and prove that I'm right. I know. And I, I, adore Dolores. I mean, she's in my top housewives of all time, but I didn't love this because she's such a straight shooter and so calls it like it is that if this was a completely different scenario, I don't think that that's the craziest thing in the world that would have come out of her mouth. Maybe not that directly. Maybe she wouldn't have spoken in those terms, but it wasn't as though Jackie lied or twisted the story. She just like used a poor choice of words to illustrate a very real scenario. So I didn't love that. I feel like Dolores, you're better than that, but whatever. It wasn't additive to Jennifer to hear that. Completely. Also, before we get into the Teresa thing, I just want to echo my sentiments from last episode, which is that the fucking transparency that Jackie is exhibiting with her eating disorder, I think is going to be empowering to so many people watching this. And I just give her so much credit to sit down and to have that conversation filmed is a really, really big deal. And I hope she knows that she really is making a difference for a lot of people watching that. And honestly, hopefully a lot of young people watching that. Completely, especially like to physically see her getting the help and how something like that looks like you don't get to go in the room with somebody all the time. It's just, it's great. Completely. So this situation with Teresa and Louie, which we don't even really know the full content until next week, the moment that I honestly think is the best to analyze is when Melissa gets the text from Teresa and then shares that aloud to the group. Like, no fucking wonder Teresa gets so bothered by her. You don't do that. I felt like, <laughs> like Melissa just dropped the ball. Here we've been cheering around from the sidelines for literally 10 years of saying, you do all the right things. Teresa is delusional when she says you're not a good sister-in-law. Like you're doing so great. You're being supportive. You're there for Joe and he wants to be close to his sister and your niece is like everything we say, Teresa's wrong. You know, she just has it out for Melissa. She's jealous of her. She doesn't like that her brother married her. And here you fucking are reading her text out loud you literally are handing it to Teresa on a silver platter about how my sister-in-law doesn't have my back and she doesn't like me and she manipulates blah, blah, blah. Like I was so mad. I, I, I can't even tell you. I literally felt so angry at Melissa. Like, how are you going to fumble like that? Yes. How are you going to fumble like that? It was pure stupidity. And I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she was a little bit tipsy, but it's honestly not an excuse. I'm sorry. Teresa was clearly pissed by this and for good reason. I wasn't even mad. I was disappointed. I was like, how yeah. are you going to go out and make such an unintelligent move that could have so easily been avoided? You know how every little micro thing you do is analyzed by Teresa and everybody and you're going to make it such a big deal like this. I think she was blinded by the comfort of being with her two best friends, Margaret and Jackie, who she trusts so much and 
just to make a comment like, oh no, shit's going to go down. But to actually come out and read the text is where she went wrong. Like she could have pulled one of them aside or just the girls had been like, I'm nervous. You know, Teresa sent me something like there were just so many better ways, but to walk out announcing it to the whole group is Teresa's worst nightmare and her pain point. And, oh, that is going to be a bad replay at the reunion. I'll tell you that right now. But even on top of all of that, getting into the Louis stuff, that guy is making me more and more nervous as the minutes tick on. I got to tell you. I know. I mean, I don't know. It just, you saw how worked up Teresa was getting because it was so clearly like vicarious anxiety. Louis was feeling that. He was letting her know. She was feeling anxious and also very protective. And it's just a bad situation. I mean, I, I do think it all resolves itself. Like I, I think that there is a happy ending to all of this, or at least I'm praying. But you that was Teresa in rare form. I mean, that was the Teresa that we know and love. When she said to that producer, go fuck yourself, she wasn't kidding. Well, what gives me anxiety is like Teresa has never really gotten to that point. Like think about the things that we have seen Teresa film, right? Mm-hmm. Literally coming home from jail, going to jail, her fighting at her nephew's christening, like everything, her parents dying. There's not a moment really where she's like said, cut the cameras. So I just feel like Louis is definitely in her ear, whether it's for positive or negative. It's just like, that's nothing like we've ever seen Teresa say before. And Louis's anxiety, I feel like he's really paranoid, like about everyone talking about him. And of course, I am so understanding that being on camera and filming something that's so embarrassing about you and people talking about you in such a public way is new and it's not for everyone. And she's right. He didn't sign up for this himself. But like, I don't know, the like crying and pulling her in the parking lot and getting the producers involved feels really messy. Okay. Yes, it does feel messy. And it's not even like I can say that I think that the suspicions of the rest of them are invalid. Like I understand why everybody has their concerns, but I get it. Like I almost have to remove the way that I may feel about him or any speculation from the situation because like, how would you feel when you're walking into a scenario that's going to be filmed? You know that basically your fate that's going to be forever sealed in terms of the public view of you is going to be determined in a few scenes at the Jersey shore and you know what you're walking into. I think it's really, really unsettling for somebody that just walked into this. Like, I I don't know. I I can't say that I blame him, even though I'm not sure on his vibe yet. Do you think I'm wrong? No, I don't. But I also think there's a better way to go about it. He is still learning, but this made her look so bad. Like she now has to keep saying, Oh, he's coming. He's coming. He'll be here soon. He'll be here soon. And then he does arrive and she has to have a whole meltdown with the producers and like, keep sort of lying and protecting him in front of everybody. Like it almost feels like this could have all been avoided if he was honest with her about his feelings before the weekend even started. I know it would also look bad if she just said, Oh, Louie's not coming, but maybe there's a happy medium. Maybe they film in like bigger group scenes when the kids are there, or he stays at the house with the kids and she goes back and forth with the women. Like it feels like there could have been a team effort here instead of him just being so like anxious and trying to please her and then ending up, making it worse in the long run. I don't know. I mean, this is only 30 seconds. I'm probably overanalyzing it, but I do want to see how the other women react to this and what they were seeing from their perspective, because they're not seeing the conversation with the producer or Teresa going outside, driving away and telling the cameraman to turn the camera down. No, I know. You're right. It was not the best way to go about it. And and it, okay, what was 
not uncharacteristic of Teresa was getting pissed, but what was so out of character for her was like the unwillingness for something to be filmed. Yes. Yeah. That was something we have never seen in all of her seasons. So right. yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's so hard because it's like, you're rooting for her so much and she seems so happy. And I really related to Melissa and her confessional when she was like, yeah, we have our concerns, but then we look at her and she's so in love and it's like, what are we supposed to do? I, I know I'm not a family member, but I swear to God, I feel that way. So it's, it's it, like a hard thing to, to kind of balance, you know, the concern with also the just wanting to almost have your blinders up because she's so happy. I know, but then I also think about how Teresa's put on a brave face through absolutely shitty awful horrible situations in her life and all of it coming crashing down at once and she still would wake up and say good morning girls making you breakfast like that is her thing like that is her literal superpower so I'm not saying I think she's unhappy but I also just think she really convinces herself that like everything's great and she loves him and I do think he loves her it's just like oh I don't know like there's no perfect man but there's gotta just be an easier she just needs easy I know. I know. Like, I just want everything to just be so easy. Like, she doesn't have to think about it. There's no, like, she's had enough worry in her life. I know. I know. I mean, listen, let's see. Because right now in real time, like February 22nd, 2022, she's still loving him and things are, are going well. So yeah, let's let, see. Let us, yeah, let us just okay. see. We'll do a gut check in like a month or two. Yeah. Or okay. next week, I guess. <laughs> Summer house? Yes. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blank and I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com. The place to find a place. 
I feel like I've been waiting my entire life to watch Sierra and Carl make out. I mean, since I saw the preview of that last week, I've really been playing it on a loop in my head. So to see it in real time and also just see his reaction where he's so flustered and doesn't know what to do or say because it didn't catch him off guard, but it really just like knocked the wind out of him. I know we say it every time and I know he's so happy with Lindsay and we are obsessed with them, but the same way we feel about watching Paige and Andrea, I just can't help myself. I know I can't help myself. And it's like, I want to say to Lindsay, I am so happy for you. You deserve this. I want this more than I can even express. But the fact that I have the comfort in knowing that you eventually get your happy ending, it's like, I, I got to just rejoice in watching this just for pure entertainment because they both are so attracted to each other. Like it's, it's just fun. <laughs> we can cut this, but this is just such a funny thing. Like Emma and I just paused the podcast for a couple minutes to manifest before two, 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 two was over. And I was just looking at my stories and Kim, like 45 seconds ago, Kardashian, I don't know if you know her, storied, <laughs> manifest everything you could possibly want and need today. Two, 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 two. So that should make you feel good. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. We're not cutting that because I want to see if there are other people that are on that same wavelength and into that stuff. And <laughs> I I so agree with her. I'm really glad we did that. It was like, it was like 1140 and we were like, you know what? Let's just take a 10, 15 minute break. <laughs> and get right back into Summer House. Yeah. Also unrelated to Sierra and Carl, just to touch on Amanda and Kyle for one second, which it honestly gets repetitive because we kind of say the same thing every week because the situation has really not changed. But this week, the thing that was different is that Kyle is now getting annoyed almost as a result of Amanda being annoyed. And I'm just sitting there saying to myself, like, who wins here? You know, at this point, they're both unhappy. Nobody wins. It is so sad. I just, I feel bad. And I feel like they felt stuck. And like, of course, how could we ever be with any other people? Like, it makes sense. We love each other. We're best friends. But like, they don't like each other. I know I keep saying that, but they just really don't like each other. And it's getting to the point where their frustrations are just like a hamster wheel. Nothing changes. And he feels like he's living with his mom and that she's annoyed with everything he does and watches like a hawk. She only does those things because of his past behavior and doesn't trust him. And it's an endless cycle. I don't know where we get off. Like getting married doesn't seem like the right solution. And I, when Danielle said to Paige and Sierra that the comment that he made that the only thing they have in common is business. Like I felt that like if someone said that to me that my best friend's fiance had just said that, like I would, I would cry. Like I understand. I, we see the preview for next week when Paige is having the conversation with Amanda and she's getting really emotional because she wants her to be happy and she doesn't know what to do. Like it's a terrible position to be put in of saying like, I want you to be happy. And that might mean calling off an engagement with Kyle, when you're in the spotlight, I know you love him. And also, like, that's a really hard decision. I'm really good friends with him, too. I would never want to tell you to do that. It's just, it's really dark. I know. It it feels very exhausting. And it's like, you know, I'm watching this episode, and, and clearly my loyalty is to Amanda. I think that she is right in pretty much every situation. But if I, I was kind of putting myself in the situation of somebody watching this that had no context. You can understand where Kyle is coming from. You can understand why Kyle is annoyed because Amanda is picking at him. However, the thing that he fails to understand is the only reason that she's gotten to this point, which I, I can't imagine is something she's proud of. She doesn't want to be a nitpicker. It's because he does not respond to anything. So now she's almost had to result to being annoying because she doesn't know what else to do. And the thing that I find so frustrating about Kyle, even though I don't even really dislike him, is that 
he fails to see the only reason that he's in this situation is because he has an inability to get his shit together. It's like, do you think that you just woke up and she's like this all of a sudden? No. No. I mean, also, I don't think we can like discount Amanda's not perfect. I think the way that she deals with things isn't great, even when it has nothing to do with Kyle. Like she has moments, as does everybody. Like everybody has their flaws, but they're usually things they're able to work through. Not like fundamentally being completely non-compatible with each other where you get to the point where you can't even stand like being around each other. It's just, they just feel miserable. And it's like a relationship should add to your life and bring you happiness at least more than it's bringing you pain or annoyance or negativity. And it just feels like the balance is not there. And I, I don't, I just don't know what you do at this point. I really don't. I don't know also if like the summer and summer house and filming really kind of escalates all of their problems. Like I have to imagine that the amount of partying and the pressure felt like being on camera and also like uplifting your life and getting out of the city every weekend. Like there's a lot of added factors here. I do understand that, but it does seem like they came in so hot the first weekend with fresh issues that they have been like discussing with a therapist and things have gone down. You can't blame it all on that. So, I mean, man, I don't know to see them sitting in that kitchen, stuffing the envelopes of their wedding invitations while like literally not even wanting to speak to each other is a feeling that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. No, me neither. And listen, you and I have never gotten married. I understand from everybody I've ever known that the process is very stressful. However, it feels like there aren't even moments of levity and excitement within the stress. And that's what I find concerning. And by the way, to your earlier question, I definitely think the show intensifies the problems because not that I think any of this stuff is fake. Like I genuinely believe every issue they had was real. However, I think you do have pressure to create a storyline. You know, you need a, a some level of drama and they're not fighting with their housemates. There's not a Hannah Burner that Kyle is like the arch nemesis of. So yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand that they also have to make content. For me, the most frustrating thing is that they like are on a seesaw. So Amanda's so upset that Kyle won't get into the wedding and excited about the wedding or anything to do with it. And then the next week, Kyle's so excited about the stuffing, the envelopes wants it to be like a fun, exciting activity. And Amanda's in a terrible mood and won't get excited about that. Like they never can just be level. It's, it, it's truly infuriating and I can't imagine how they feel, but us as viewers, it's like when one goes up, the other one goes way down. And I almost just want to shake them and be like, you both are excited about something or you both love this. Like, just let it be. And I'm actually really curious to see their demeanor on the wedding day because I think, like, I can't remember what it feels like when both of them are so happy and happy to be together. Like, we see little glimpses of it, but I, it's really fading. I know. It really is fading. I, I, I so agree with you. I'm very curious to see what that is going to be like and, and if the day is as magical as they kind of hope for it to be. I, I hope for it to be too. Like I, uh, yeah. I, I remember us watching it on Instagram, like in real time when it was happening over the summer and looked amazing. And like, they were so over the moon happy. She looks gorgeous. Like it's, it looks amazing. And like everyone had the best time, but who knows? I know. I know. God, it's fucked up. Yeah. Also, last thing that I wanted to say about this was I was living for this bondage party. <laughs> I mean, Andrea was in his full glory. He was having the time of his life. They were all so hot. They were having so much fun. I, it was just like true fun. And 
it, Summer House is really one of those shows where it wouldn't work if they weren't actually friends. And we have that issue, obviously, with a lot of other franchises, Salt Lake City, for example, and we sometimes feel like it's just a random group of people that is put together. And on this show, it's just so clear to me how much fun they genuinely have with one another. It's the best. The, my one critique is that I wish they told everyone who was invited to this party about the theme because it did feel like they were the only ones in costume and it could have been extra elevated if everyone was in like leather latex strap-ons. But like, you know, it was great. You could spot them in the crowd. That's what I'll say. You absolutely could. <laughs> <laughs> and our friends. <laughs> oh my God, no, I can't. It's too embarrassing. <laughs> I can't. No, our friends were there and they're in like full like floral and jeans and it's just like, I can't. <laughs> okay, should we do Orange County? Yes. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondering app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. You know, say what you want about Heather Dubrow, and I know you and I happen to be big fans of hers, but even for the people that dislike her for whatever reason, one thing you can say about her is that she isn't a good mom. Oh my God. She's like really mom of the year. I, I believe that. I think her relationship with her kids is just the epitome of open and understanding and not crossing the line of like being a friend, but also being a parent. It's really nice to see. And I think she told this to us, but she's also said it many times on the show on Watch Robins Live and on interviews that a big driving point of her coming back to the show was of course, you know, it's fun and she gets to go on the trips, but she wanted everyone to see the relationship she has with her kids and the kind of conversations that they're able to have in their house about really like tough topics and how she as a mom can act and understand them and get points across and be supportive without going overboard and why their dynamic works and why her kids are so comfortable to be so open with her and how a healthy dynamic and relationship can go. And I also think a lot of that is owed to her kids for being so just open and wanting to share their story in such a way. 
Yeah. And I really believe her when she says that that's one of her goals for coming back. I don't think that that's a fluffy, I, I, I like, I know if you hear it on paper, it's like, oh yeah, that sounds like bullshit. But she literally, I mean, it was sitting just the three of us and she was saying that and it was so sincere and she like genuinely started to get emotional. And I just believe her. I think she's a phenomenal mother. I think her kids are incredibly open and wonderful. And I just like watching it. Um, Me too. And also another thing I like about Heather is that one thing she's going to do is she's going to get Shannon stoned. There is nothing that I love more than a house like who will take an edible and Heather bringing a bowl of edibles in a Baccarat glass and talking about microdosing. I mean, what a chic way to say that you're just taking half an edible, you know, like, I don't think that's technically microdosing, but you know what? <laughs> We're going to call it that from now on. Like when you're just feeling like you only want to take half, it's microdosing. Right. But also out of Baccarat. Like it, it's just, <laughs> it's so on brand. And that's exactly how I aspire to be as a mother, as you know, a person in my adult life that's bringing housewarming gifts over to my friends. Like that, yes, I, I so relate and, and respect and admire that exact vibe. It's the pipeline of like edibles in a Ziploc bag. Then you upgrade to like a pouch. Then you upgrade to a leather pouch. And then eventually a Baccarat glass. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> also, you know, I'm trying. I'm sitting here every week. I'm trying with Noella. I am appreciating her, you know, entertainment value. But then I'm watching this week. I'm like, you know what? Give me a fucking break. It's like the way that I view her actions is that she has just such a strong desire to not only make every single situation about herself, but also to just cause an issue when an issue isn't there. It's so irritating. I am honestly no longer trying because you know what? I could feel the energy that all of the women at the table are no longer trying. Like even Emily or so, the women who were actually getting along with her and felt like I, I could get along with this woman. We could be friends. We could vibe. They are not even trying anymore. So why should I? You're right. It's it's really frustrating. And I just find myself sort of like tuning out when she tries to make it about herself because it's only things that we've already heard a million times. And I think that's really frustrating. Like, of course you're allowed to talk about your divorce. It's the biggest thing going on in your life, 100%. But not every conversation has to come back to that. And then on top of it, when Jen is like trying to discuss her personal situation, you're just really adding salt in the wound in order to bring it back to you and compare yourself. I know she was maybe trying to give advice and say like, I'm going through the same thing, but she was so unaware of how it was coming across and possibly making things worse when Jen was like literally crying and wasn't saying I'm divorcing my husband. She was just trying to figure things out. It's like, come on. Like I, I felt so, I felt for Jen in that moment. And I was really like vibing with her and felt like she was being so vulnerable and open and really needed these women even though they're not her best friends by any means, like it felt like she just really needed them. Yeah. Like technically was her advice bad? No, it was just entirely poorly timed and she just has an inability to read the room. And I, I just, I can't, it's not really worth discussing because it's just so annoying. And like, I, I, at first, you know, you ask yourself, is this just me? Am I just not vibing? And then- Am I the drama? Right, literally. And then our DMs are people being like, I'm trying so hard and I just I just can't get there. And I just can't get there. And that's okay. There's some house size you just can't connect to. I, I feel, you know, I honestly, in the beginning of this season, felt that way about Emily. And then I came around and I, I got what people were saying. I was wrong on her. I had the wrong read and I came around, but I just so far have not come around on Noella. But- one thing that I did want to mention regarding Jen is I'm, 
you know, I was kind of uninterested in general about the storyline because it was similar to the Noella thing. It's like, I don't really know her that well. And all of a sudden we're getting such an intimate look at her marital problems, but I'm now feeling a little bit more invested just because I want to know what her path is. You know, like, is this just something where, okay, we got to repair this? Or is this a moment of very intense clarity and realization of like, what the fuck am I doing being married to this guy? Because whatever he was fulfilling back in my early days when I was longing for something after the terrible loss of my father is not at all the place that I'm in now. Like, I want to know how she proceeds. I know. I just felt like she was in a distraught place when she showed up at Shannon's house that day, like really in no place to be filming. And also with all these women who she doesn't know, like they are very surface friends at this point. It's very, very clear. So I just can feel for her of like, well, this is what I got in front of me. And it seems like Heather and the other women are supportive. A lot of them have been through this before. I'm just going to go for it. Totally. Totally. Also last point, when Emily brings up to Shannon, the fact that, you know, Gina feels that Shannon may be jealous. It's kind of irrelevant because obviously I don't think Gina would care that Emily was sharing that. I I almost felt for Emily in this because I don't even think any of this is valid or, or necessary to share. I think they're just looking for some more content, but it was like so stupid. I know. Okay. I want to get into Salt Lake City. Okay. Okay. Another head spinner, I'll tell you that much. Fuck, my head really is spinning even from just saying that. Okay. What I want to say, what I want to start out with is... I'll tell you what I want to start out with, actually. Hmm. I'm just going to be honest here. You know, like, no bullshit. We're friends. This is such a weak finale. It was, right? Like, for such an explosive season with so many valid and intense storylines, this is gonna, we're going to have, like, some kind of relatively lame tequila party where... Jenny's throwing a glass. And like half the episode is made to look like it was on a VCR. And it just, I get it. It was cute. You know, we love an edit moment. Like when they're counting Lisa Barlow's loves, I love that. But I do think the problem is we are down basically two housewives as viewers watching this, who are the main drama of the finale. So we've almost blocked Jenny out completely. She's gone. Mary, we know, is like not coming to the reunion and is not going to be a housewife anymore. So I feel like watching this, we sort of like take count of like, well, you know, their story ends here. So that makes it hard because the two of them were sort of the core of the drama at this party. And then otherwise, it's like, again, it's the same things that we've been rehashing. It's I don't need to see Whitney and Justin like making sex art. I just really don't. And I don't know. It just felt like nothing additive and new. And it was a little, it was a little slow. (laughs) It was a little slow. I have to tell you though, I, I, this, this has got to be an unpopular opinion. There's no way you liked watching Whitney and Justin. Please tell me it's not so. (laughs) I'm not going to go as far as to say I liked it. It wasn't like I got turned on by it or anything like that. I just... I just really can appreciate Whitney's willingness to just show all this shit. You know what I mean? It's like, Emma. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I'm in the minority. I can't help it. I, I just think it's like, I love a housewife that is willing to film her husband coming home and her being in lingerie. I think it's fun. I'm sorry. I appreciate the lingerie. I pre- she's done like so many sex things and I love that about her. I think it's what makes her her and like, it's a personality trait and it's great. I think like the idea of doing the paint and bringing it up and explaining to him would have been funny. 
But actually seeing them do it, you know, it's just like a lot that I just rather would not see. Right. No, I understand. You know, it's like I'm open. It's great. It's just like that's what we're using like eight minutes of the finale of Salt Lake City, the season where Jen Shaw gets arrested. That's what we're using our time for. It felt like, I don't know, could have been utilized a little better. I wish it was. I mean, that's the craziest thing about this entire season in general, that we all go in with this one viewpoint of Jen. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily changed. I'm not saying that all of a sudden people are loving her. However, how the fuck did she manage to get out of this season basically scot-free when she was like the catalyst for all of this shit? It's insane to me that this woman has such a wild storyline and somehow 0% of the drama is revolving around her. It's almost impressive. She's unscathed. Not only is she unscathed, she's like the fan favorite. Is that crazy? Like I enjoyed watching her a lot, especially these last like couple of episodes. I felt like she was being weirdly sane almost. And I felt bad for her. Like I felt happy for her when she's talking to Meredith and getting her back as a friend and almost rooting for her in a way. And it's like, how the hell did we end up here where I am rooting for Jen Shaw to restore her friendship with Meredith. And the main drama is revolving around Meredith and cheating rumors and what Lisa maybe did or did not say about like, what, what is going on? Like I would literally pay anyone to actually summarize factually what went down this season, because I just don't think it can be done. Jen just got really lucky because there was a lot of other drama that took the place. And because she wasn't the center of it, she appeared, I think, far more level-headed than she ever had in the past because she was almost able to have a bit of a side role. The thing that I need to make super clear in terms of my viewpoint on the whole Meredith situation is like, what does everybody fucking want from Meredith? She could not be more clear. She has said, I wish the best for you. I don't hate you. I'm just telling you, I cannot be there for you in the capacity of a friendship that you deserve or that I want to have with my friends because I am still hurt. How is that not valid? It's like, I, don't know. I just wanted to say, everyone just shut the fuck up and leave her alone. I just, I don't know what they want from her. I don't know what she expects. I don't know what they expect. But looking back at Jen, I almost feel like the smartest thing she did was, I don't think it was an act. I think it was genuinely her reaction to the charges and allegations and everything that's going on with her legally that she really has just said point blank, like it's not true and I'm going to fight it. It's It didn't happen and doesn't even entertain the conversation about it. Like, I don't even think if anyone brought it up, she'd be like, what are you talking about? It's not true. And we're just going to pay the retainer and make it go away. Like she does not give it any life. So therefore it almost couldn't become a story because she wouldn't engage with it. She only engaged with the discussion around it and anybody that was trying to speculate whether something could or couldn't be true and like what was going down and who maybe called the cops and who maybe called the FBI and who maybe called this and that and made her life a living hell and blaming that on everybody else, but never, ever, ever entertaining the idea that these things could maybe potentially be true. So it's like, how could they even go farther from there? Like, yeah, Erica, when we were watching her with Tom's stuff was being dodgy and, you know, wouldn't necessarily give all the details, but she was never saying like, there's not even charges. Like the, the, the FBI just randomly showed up one day and like, must be, must have the wrong guy. 
Yes, no, completely. You're right. It's not that it's necessarily the correct way to handle it. Although from a strategy perspective, I guess it worked. (laughs) I don't think she had the foresight to make it her strategy. I think that is actually her reality, maybe in her head in some way. But it definitely, I mean, it worked for her. And once she saw that it kind of took the heat off of her, if she just like made it a non-issue, she kept going with it. Completely. And it's almost an interesting case study in just examining how the viewer's perspective can kind of shift for something that was seemingly so solidified. And like I said, it's not that anybody is leaving the season saying, you know what, that Jen Shaw, she's a really good fucking person. It's not that. It's just like somehow the biggest takeaway isn't, wow, she sucks. Right. But because what would happen? Like, let's say in theory, Whitney or Heather or one of them came and said, Jen, we know these things have to have some truth. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Let's talk about it. She would explode at the mere mention or how could you as my friend even entertain these things? Like there was no physical way that anyone could even get to point B. So they weren't going to try. Like what, for what, for what reason? What would they get out of that? And they knew that the outcome would be a Jen Shaw blow up. Well, that's the other thing. The way that she reacted in season one was so over the top that she almost instilled, I don't necessarily want to say a level of fear in the other women, but just a kind of a sense of exhaustion. Like, is it really really worth going through this? So it's easier to not. And you know what? Lucky for her, there was enough shit going on with Jenny and Mary and Meredith and Lisa that she kind of was able to be on the sidelines. Also, by the way, even if I knew nothing about Jenny and nothing had ever come out, I was doing this completely freshly, I still would have hated the way that she handled this finale. It was, Mm -hmm. it was just not it. You know, listen, don't get me wrong. I don't think that Mary was necessarily being the kindest towards her, but the way that Jenny was acting was just ridiculous. Yeah. It was, it was just like a spectacle. It felt very forced. Every time she interacts with Mary, it is so performative and just frustrating. And I'm just, I'm out on her. By the way, in the beginning of this season, I really was a fan of her. I loved the way that she came and she was so open about her marital issues, about you know, all of those conversations. And I really enjoyed her take on things. But as the season progressed, I just, I'm not, I'm not into her. I do think Mary treated her like a piece of dirt on her shoe. Like that is, was clear. Like it was, it was not okay how she treated her just at, out of respect as literally your coworker. Like if nothing more, that's fine. But like, just felt unwarranted. Like, I don't know, you know, Mary doesn't like you. Like, just leave it alone. You don't need to throw a glass at Lisa, who is the friend that brought you into this group her party, like what, well, for what? No, completely. I mean, they both just handled it wrong. Like Mary objectively was not kind to her, but Jenny also couldn't give it a rest. I don't know. It was just the whole thing. Nobody, nobody was vibing here. You know, like we could have had such a strong end and we didn't, but I know that what we lost in the finale, we will make up for in the reunion. I feel very confident in that. I hope so. I really do. I saw a lot of talk of people just being overall disappointed with Heather this season. Like maybe she didn't quote bring it enough. And I guess I just watch like from a different viewpoint sometimes where I just enjoy her so much as a person that I don't really care if she has like a storyline or drama or how she inserts herself. Like I'm just happy that she's there. I am so happy that she's there. And also we didn't need her to really have an issue this season. You know, like there was a lot of other things going on and I actually found that her level-headedness was really a point of comfort and clarity amidst all of the chaos. 
Right. Like when she sends, says to Mary, like, you're married to your stepdaddy. Like that's a kind, you know, we need like a little narrator here and there. Yeah. And I do trust her very much so. And she's also a good fucking friend. Right. And also Whitney was so involved in so much that I feel like they're sort of a package deal and like she handled it and Whitney would just chime in when necessary. And you know what? Like sometimes we need people like that on the cast. Well, Heather just has a grace that Whitney will never have. And I actually like yeah. Whitney. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love them both. I like them all. Sue me. I like them all. Sue me. <laughs> okay. That was a lot. Holy shit. Holy do shit. You, do you feel good? I feel good. We got in all of our episodes. We manifested. It's it's a good day. Yes, it is a good day. I love you guys. I love you, Isabel. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And Julie and I will see you later this week. And then we'll be back next week. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.